How has entrepreneurship changed you? Whoa. <laughs> yeah, another heavy question. I've always worked for myself and it is a really nice feeling and I couldn't imagine it any other way. And I think there's sort of a lot of potential like self-growth in entrepreneurship. Yeah, I'm doing marketing, I'm doing sales, I have to understand production, I have to understand logistics, I have to understand finance, I have to understand all of these things that I have zero experience at all in. Those 10 hour days standing up at those trade shows when we see these kids hug these backpacks and say, mommy, she looks like me, it's all worth it. And no amount of corporate stability could take the place of that. Hello, everybody. I'm Kelly Martin, and you're listening to Making It Work, made possible by FedEx. We've reached the end of our second season, and hasn't it flown by? Podcasting from our living rooms to yours, we've lifted the lid on what it's been like to run a small business in these extremely challenging times. And as we trade anxiety and unknowns for a little cautious optimism, we thought it was time for some self-reflection. That's why we asked the entrepreneurs to look at their present and past selves and speak about how entrepreneurship has changed their lives. And we got some wonderful answers. Asking the questions is Tom Scallon. I know how entrepreneurship has changed me. For a start, now I know a little about entrepreneurship. And I didn't learn it in college or from a book. I learned everything I know by talking to some of America's most remarkable small business owners on this very podcast. And at making it work, every day's a school day. I can promise you that. But what if I didn't just interview small business owners? What if I actually became one? Would my personality be any different? What skills would I learn? How would I view myself? Would I define myself as an entrepreneur? Well, unless I start a business, there's no way of knowing. So it's a good job and well-connected. Let's kick off this episode with Myra Hernandez, who co-founded Chicago-based Back of the Yards Coffee Company in 2017. Myra has spoken very openly about mental health this season, so if there's anyone who's in touch with her present and pre-entrepreneur self, it's her. I asked her the same question I asked everybody. How has entrepreneurship changed you? Whoa. <laughs> yeah, another heavy question. It changed everything about my life. I, I think a lot of it does have to do with, with mental health, but I think it has made me a stronger, more confident an empowered woman. I don't think I would feel this way had I not chosen to become an entrepreneur. But that's not to say I didn't <laughs> struggle and go to hell and come back from a lot of a lot of pain. But I think that's because of how much growth I went through. I do believe that in order to grow, you need to be put in uncomfortable situations. And I was definitely pushed out of my comfort zone I don't have a business background. I didn't finish college. I'm a first generation Latinx immigrant. I'm a woman of color. I don't have a rich family. I have all these challenges that that I would sometimes think about and in and I would doubt myself, like, am I supposed to be doing this? I'm not qualified to do this. And luckily with the support of my community and and having a, a vision and a mission for what I want my community to look like, I was able to push through the doubts and the fears, and I was able to push through the anxiety and the depression, and now I feel stronger than ever. I, I feel like unstoppable, like I can do anything, and 
at the same time I have I have peace of mind but I would not have gone through all of this had it not been for entrepreneurship but I think if you if you stick it through and you take care of your your mind and your health entrepreneurship will make you feel just stronger and confident like a champion um and and to the point where even if if this if for some reason this business doesn't make it you know it's not the end you know you move on and you work on the next project so it's it makes me feel good about myself it makes me feel proud to call myself an entrepreneur you worked regular jobs before becoming an entrepreneur what's the difference between nine to five myra and back of the yards coffee company myra you know the nine to five myra is <laughs> she's she's still a good worker you know she's on time but i think that once she would clock out and come home she would feel she would feel like i guess defeated like what else is there to life how much longer am i going to be doing this for a lot of questions about is this what i want to do with the rest of my life am i wasting my time there's a lot of insecurities about my future when i was working the 9 to 5 and i was i just was not fulfilled the back of the yard's coffee myra that <laughs> works crazy hours and is running around putting out fires while it is challenging it feels good i feel like i have purpose I feel like I'm making a difference. I'm happy to inspire other people. It's just a lot more fulfilling. Of course it comes with a lot more challenges, but nothing in life is easy and and it's the things that are that are worth fighting for that that make your life feel more meaningful. Will you always be an entrepreneur? <laughs> I'm afraid to say yes. <laughs> But I do think that I'm always going to be an entrepreneur. I think it's my nature. I love creating things. And to me, being an entrepreneur is is creating opportunities, right? And being in charge of, of your life and creating inspiration for others to follow along. Is entrepreneurship about creating opportunities? It used to be about making money, didn't it? Yeah, I think that people associate entrepreneur with making money. You know, of course you want to make money, but if if your mentality is always on the money, I don't think that that is healthy or sustainable for your for yourself, for your mental health, um, for your spirit, and for the communities that you're serving. I think once you start to shift your mind about what it means to be an entrepreneur and think about creating opportunities for others to also share in that growth, then you're creating something sustainable. Then you create something that's fulfilling to you and your spirit. And you start to create, I guess, a world that other people want to participate in. When you speak to Myra, she never seems to talk about anything without bringing it back to her community. I had the pleasure of interviewing her and her business partner, Jesse for the Unidos US conference last year. And it was the same then. Back of the Yard Chicago is lucky to have this coffee house as part of the community. And I think Myra and Jesse feel they're privileged to have the community as part of their coffee house. We're sticking around Chicago to speak to our next entrepreneur, Kat Samagia. She started her company Locker Lifestyle out of her dorm room in 2016. 
In five short years, she's gone from making wrist wallets by hand in her mum's bridal store to outsourcing production to China. But all of this is hardly a surprise. After all, she always felt deep down like she's an entrepreneur. Entrepreneurship has always been in my blood. I I think it's made me grow up a bit faster, even though, you know, I'm, I've always been a little more, I wouldn't say mature from it, but like I, I have a lot of people tell me like, okay, you're an older soul. I'd prefer to go to bed by 9 p.m. because I like waking up at 5.30. So I'm like doing some some things that are a bit different than people my age. Like I never, ever sleep in. I can't even sleep in. So I think a lot of things haven't changed because I've always been used to them and I've trained for sports my whole life. So I'd have to be very disciplined. So by having sports, that was the start of, you know, being able to prioritize and then transition into the business world. So I can honestly say that not too, too much has changed. I remember my time at college and I certainly wasn't running a business. Do you think there are a few things you might have missed out on because you started a business so young? Definitely. I mean, by always playing sports, I missed out on a lot anyways, or couldn't go to certain dances or functions. So that was something that was not really new to me. But by working late and things like I knew that, okay, my friends wanted to go hang out at a bar, but you know, I actually have to ship all these orders out or I don't want to go to the bar and kind of get like they want to be stupid and stuff. And it was like, that's something that didn't really interest me because then I'd be tired the next day and I practice and then I have to work after practice. And so I intentionally sacrifice certain social situations or being with certain people in order to make sure that I was prepared for doing things for the business so that it had my full attention and my full energy. What would you tell the cat who is just starting out with Locker Lifestyle? I wish I would have told myself to not take things so seriously because sometimes I would get so caught up in things that, that I realize now didn't even matter, whether it was planning for an expo or thinking that I needed all of this, you know, fancy paperwork or things from lawyers to make things more legitimate, where isn't that wasn't necessary. And I, I did sacrifice a lot of going out with friends and doing things for the business. And I wish that I would have taken advantage of a little more going out a little bit more while I was in college with whether it was being with friends or going to a football game. So that was a big thing for me in, in realizing that, you know, four hours of sleep wasn't going to, I wished I learned sooner that I, four hours of sleep wasn't going to work for me. Where does being an entrepreneur fit into your identity? Being an entrepreneur is, is definitely in my blood. So I guess it's always been part of my identity, but now it's become known like, okay, if people have business questions, I feel so honored that you know, they think of me as in problem solving and having a trait of knowing how to manage time and prioritization and having a certain network of people in my circle is something that's always been very important is kind of helped me evolve as a person. Is it lonely being an entrepreneur? Absolutely. I, when I first started the business, that's another thing I guess people don't realize is that it can be very, very lonely. And it's a lot of your mentors and who you surround yourself, similar friends, whether they have their own business or not, who understand that to be able to help you make it work. Because there are going to be times like I still have these moments of, oh my gosh, what the heck am I doing? Why am I doing this? I'm tired. I would love a break. And is this the right thing? Like those thoughts cross my mind all the time. But then by being with 
the right mentors and, or, you know, other entrepreneur friends, they kind of keep you grounded and realize that a lot of business owners do deal with those feelings. They are normal, honor that, and then move forward. And I, for example, like, you know, now working remote with everyone for the most part, you know, I'm in my office all by myself. I'm the one who has to make the executive decision for most things every single day. And it can be mentally exhausting as in, okay, am I actually doing the right thing? And call it, I'm, I'm someone who works much more efficiently in a collaborative environment. Most of the entrepreneurs I speak to were working a nine to five and decided they wanted to start their own business. That never really happened for you because you went straight from college into being an entrepreneur. So do you weirdly kind of feel you're missing out because you never got to experience a quote unquote normal job? Yes, but only in terms of, okay, seeing how certain things are run. I wish I knew or had some sort of thing to fall back on or structure that I was aware of for like whether it was HR or how to do payroll or you know, way meetings are set up and expectations for employees. Like I, you know, only helped coach tennis here and there. And and that was literally it. So a lot of what I'm doing and when I'm bringing people on, it's, you know, talking to certain friends or, you know, people who I know who are in the corporate world to understand, you know, even the legal structure of having employees and dealing with certain things. Like I had no experience in that. So I only wish that I had a job to experience that and then implement it to the business. Would I have wanted to, you know, start with that and then transition to the business just to get a general experience or, or something like, to me, no, that, that wouldn't make sense. But it's also in ignorance is bliss in certain things of, okay, certain expectations in the corporate world aren't even necessary anymore. And so I really get to make my own way. And for a lot of the things I get to, you know, make my own rules and the way, you know, employees work and report and things, it's really, it's up to me. And I make sure that we're open with each other in the way that how efficient they are working, how they want to feel, how they want to report. And whereas in, you know, in a bigger office setting, like something like that is, it's just so cookie cutter and there's less room for creativity and feedback and really understanding who you're working with. So I think that it's okay that I don't have that experience. For someone who's never spent eight hours in an office cubicle, Kat has a pretty good idea of how it rolls in the corporate world. And you can see how she's determined to use her lack of experience doing a normal job to remain agile and turn Locker Lifestyle's way of working into a collaborative process that works for both her and her employees. I just hope she finds some time to finally grab those drinks with her friends. Another person that walked that well-trodden path from college straight to entrepreneurship is Paul Pallas, owner of Philly-based hardware supplier Swissco. He's CEO now, but started working there way back when as just a young boy. But before you get worried about child labor laws, it was a family business. I have never had a regular job. I grew up in the family company. And the closest thing to a regular job would have been me sweeping the floors when I was 12. And even then, that wasn't a regular job. You know, I was the son of the owner and things were different. And I was allowed to kind of explore the company and kind of figure out what I wanted to do there. And that was a really nice experience because I learned at that point that I wanted to do the things how I wanted to do them. I wanted to understand how to run a company, how to create a, a job for myself. 
So I've always worked for myself. And it is a really nice feeling that I get to decide what I do every day. And I couldn't imagine it any other way. I don't think I could ever have a regular job working for someone else. Sometimes I like to fantasize about maybe it'd be easier. Maybe I wouldn't have so much pressure on me if someone else was the boss and they just told me what to do. I think I would be bored out of my mind. I think if I wasn't able to make changes and innovation and I had to always push my ideas to other people and have them accepted and maybe not be accepted, it, it would be really hard for me. Most of the entrepreneurs appearing on this podcast started their companies from scratch. Obviously, you inherited Swissco. Does that come with a certain level of imposter syndrome? I definitely feel different than a lot of entrepreneurs. And I have a lot of respect for people that have started businesses completely from scratch. I can imagine how hard that is. I was so fortunate that I had a foundation to build off of. It came with its own issues. And I learned a lot through uh, succession and a lot through a mismanaged company, turning it into a well-managed company. And I appreciate my experiences there. But I absolutely do feel a bit different from other entrepreneurs that started from nowhere. And I have, I have so much respect for them. I, I think it's so, it has to be so scary to have no income and start a business from scratch. I'm amazed that anybody does it. It really is amazing to me. Perhaps it would have been easier starting from scratch. It would have been easier starting from scratch if I had the experience already. If I knew what I knew today, yes, absolutely. Starting from scratch would have been the way to go. But I was a young kid out of college. I had no business experience. Starting from scratch then would have been pretty tough because I just didn't know how to do it. I didn't have much support in my life on how to start a business. I never knew anyone that started a business um, other than my father and uncle who already ran a business that they inherited from their father. That's all I knew. Today, if I could do it all over again and I was able to keep all the experiences I have now, I absolutely would have started from scratch and things would have been much easier, much different. But um, I'm sure anybody could say that. But man, if I had the experiences now and I can go back 10 years, uh, the changes I would make. Your father and uncle were entrepreneurs before the word entrepreneur existed, at least in, in the English language. How are things different for you than it was for them? You know, it's, it's interesting because if you were to hear them talk about their story, in a way, it's pretty similar to mine. In a way, they talk about how their father mismanaged the business and they took over and made it into a, the business it was when they, uh, when they grew it and how much better it was. And they, they did. They did a good job. They, they took a tiny microscopic mismanaged business and grew into a larger mismanaged business, at least in my <laughs> eyes. And I am, I would love it if one day I was able to succeed this business to the next generation. And they have the same kind of story of like how mismanaged I ran the business and just how much they improved it. It sounds like Swissco has been mismanaged to such an extent. It's a miracle it's still standing. 
I, I, I honestly believe that if I, you know, it wasn't just me alone that did, uh, that started the dot com. It was me and my sister. And if it wasn't for us, I don't know what Swisco would look like today. I believe my father and uncle in their old age would still be putting out fires all day, every day. Um, I, I don't know. I really don't know what would be going on a bit, but um, I am so happy that we are able to keep the family business going. Is the intention for Swissco to be handed over to your two boys? It's an interesting question because my intention was never to join the family company. And I think that's important because it was never going to be handed to me and it was never going to be something I was going to strive for. Instead, I developed in a school project something that worked really well for Swisco and became its own company in a way, the dot-com. And if I was to strive to join a company and my father and uncle groomed me to join a company, I would have never went to college for computer programming. I would have never learned to develop websites and databases. And Swisco would be different. It would have been nothing like it is today. And I would like to believe that the next generation, I would like it to be the same way. If they are interested, I want them to earn it. I'm not going to just groom the next generation to inherit the business because there are a lot of stories out there, family companies that it doesn't work. There's no passion in the next generation. And that company was handed off to them and they the business just dwindled away. I'm sure as we speak, you're kids are wondering how they can mismanage Swisco in the future. (laughs) You're listening to Making It Work. Coming up. Working for yourself, you work a whole lot harder than when you work for corporate. But I think that it has given me a different drive. If I don't sell X number of backpacks, I may not eat. If I do meet up with all my friends, the only thing they can say about what I'm doing is, oh, dude, you're, you're crushing, you're doing amazing. They do not see the reality of the business. Man, we're struggling to make payroll this month. They absolutely cannot relate to that. That's a very isolating thing. I can only talk to other entrepreneurs about that. Do you ever yearn for a return back to the nine till five? I do. <laughs> the first episode of this season of Making It Work dropped in December of last year. And if you remember, that was a pretty tumultuous time. On air, I was speaking to the entrepreneurs about Black Friday sales, but off air, the themes were COVID, Black Lives Matter and the US elections. In short, it was a period of uncertainty. Things are now more certain, but the pressures of entrepreneurship can cast a long shadow and the feeling of isolation and loneliness never really go away, even in the good times. Let's check in with Philadelphia-based entrepreneur Ibuno Laloye on this very subject. He started Live Breathe Football in 2011, a business that makes and sells apparel for style-conscious soccer fans. Over the past decade, Ibuno has transformed from an enthusiastic designer to successful entrepreneur. But this change has not come without its sacrifices. It's changed me in a lot of ways. It certainly made me more patient. It's made me more understanding, more compassionate. And it's also made me more, more resourceful and self-reliant. I think we ultimately have to be all these things to varying degrees in life. But I think with entrepreneurship, it's such a singular experience that even if you have employees, even if you work with people, just the act of being an entrepreneur is very isolating. And in that isolation, you learn a lot about yourself. 
and you learn a lot about what you're capable of. And I think there's sort of a lot of potential like self-growth in entrepreneurship because you realize there's no one to turn to. You can't say, oh, well, this person didn't do X, Y, and Z. You're ultimately responsible for whatever happens or doesn't happen in your business, right? And I think that's a very difficult thing for a lot of people to to contend with. It's like, yeah, I'm doing marketing, I'm doing sales, I have to understand production, I have to understand logistics, I have to understand finance, I have to understand all of these things that I have zero experience at all in. I'd love to just be a designer and focus on the design part of it, but like that's just not realistic as an entrepreneur. But what comes from that is you get to gain new skills that are transferable, that are valuable, and you can then maybe help other people who want to become entrepreneurs or the entrepreneurs. And I think that's for me is one of the most gratifying things about being an entrepreneur is that it's sort of made me really a better and more useful person to society. I hear this all the time. When you become an entrepreneur, what switch do you flick that suddenly makes you become isolated and lonely? There's no switch you flick. It's just the reality of it. So take me, right? I became an entrepreneur at 21 years old. And at a certain point when you're, you realize you have a collection to launch and you're, you're up till four or five, six o'clock in the morning, you've been up all day. You can't go to the bar with your friends and hang out. So you miss those moments. You don't have any money, at least for me, I didn't have any money. So like you're living in sort of like terrible situations just to save money and obviously invest the money back in your business. So your love life suffers a bit when your friends are getting married because, you know, hey, they've gotten a job out of college. They've gotten a few years to save up money. They met a nice girl. They got married. Like you, you postpone a lot of the things that um, other people kind of get to do earlier in their life because you just don't have the resources to do so. So that isolation just kind of comes with the territory. And then even beyond that is if I do meet up with all my friends, the only thing they can say about what I'm doing is, oh, dude, you're, you're crushing. You're doing amazing. They do not see the reality of the business. Like even if I was to say to them, Hey dude, like, man, we're struggling to make payroll this month or man, like this collection didn't sell. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not really sure how we're going to come back from this. They absolutely cannot relate to that. That's a very isolating thing. I can only talk to other entrepreneurs about that. And the problem with other entrepreneurs is they're so busy on their businesses that like, we don't even really have time to all connect with one another. So I think just the nature of what we do becomes a very isolating experience. I think me and other people who aren't entrepreneurs, uh, guilty of always asking the same question and it's <laughs> hey Boone, how's the business going do you just yeah. think my god i have no idea how to answer that um i do know how to answer i just say it's going great like there's nothing i can tell you in that conversation that would make the conversation fulfilling for either of us because if i say it's great you feel good about it. oh man dude that's awesome i mean from, from Instagram, it looks like you guys are crushing it. Yeah, dude, we're, we're absolutely killing it, right? But the reality of every business is even the ones that are crushing that are doing really, really well, they have challenges that keep the entrepreneur up at night. For us, we've grown our business five times over this year, over last year. To everyone else, that's great. But that comes with some se severe challenges that keep me up at night that I'm like, how are we going to do X, Y, and Z? How am I going to manage this new space that we're in? No one can relate to that. They just think the business is going great. Like, so that question how is the business going i'll, I'll say yeah, dude, it's going great because if i say it's going terribly then you feel sorry for me oh man dude that sucks well it's, it's not really true either it's just kind of is what it is you know i guess people just can't see the moving parts right when they think of business they always think of balance sheets that's what they have in their mind right right and for me the thing is it's such a roller coaster of emotions where 
you can say, oh, you know, I had a great, you know, if you have a job, oh, I had a great day at work, this and this and this happened. Oh, you know, I had a terrible day at work. My boss did this and da, 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 da. But being an entrepreneur is like, I can have, be having a great day so far and then a piece of news or something happens that completely changes my mood or completely changes how I feel about what we're doing. And then I have to address that. But it's like the realities of, are just so much more complicated than a simple it's good or it's not good. When you're deciding whether to buy something from a small business or just drive to the nearest Walmart, I think it's important to think about entrepreneurs like a boon and really listen to what they have to say. They get so much pleasure from what they do, but it comes with pressure. And the easiest way to support them is to skip the big boys and shop small. They'll thank you for it, I promise. Let's finish up this episode and this season of Making It Work with some thoughts from Casey Kelly. This former corporate high flyer decided to start her company Blended Designs when she learned that only 2% of character backpacks in the market included children of colour. Four years down the line, there are aspects of the 9 to 5 that Casey misses. But the responsibility she feels towards Blended Designs' social mission means that she won't be going back to the boardroom anytime soon. My corporate background prepared me for the workload because working for yourself, you work a whole lot harder than when you work for corporate. You know, I was working long hours. You know, I would have, um, you know, a, a presentation that was due that required an all nighter. So there was there were those long hours that I still had to put in. But I think that it has given me a different drive because with entrepreneurship, if I don't sell X number of backpacks, I may not eat. Whereas if I'm working for a company and on Monday they don't sell so many products, I still get a check. I still have that job. I still have money coming in. Whereas every single backpack sale determines how much I can eat. It determines a rent for our warehouse space. Do I get paid personally? Um, when we have slumps, which we've had, I'm the first one to not get paid. So I don't get paid and everybody else gets paid and all the other bills get paid. But then my home life is impacted. Do you ever yearn for a return back to the nine till five? I do. <laughs> but then, like I mentioned it earlier, I have um, a few autoimmune disorders. I have lupus, um, Sjogren's syndrome. So I get sick. Like I get really, really sick for no reason. And, you know, it's just, it's just a nature of my health disorders and where I literally can't get out of the bed and my job would be impacted if I worked in corporate America. They're like, well, you're not coming to work. You only get X number of sick days. And so I would still have to go to work sick. Then I'm not at my best. Whereas as an entrepreneur, I pretty much can make my own hours. I can delegate a little bit more where things can still get done. I can, when I have good days or good moments, I can log onto the computer in my bed and do things that I didn't have that sort of freedom. We have a very lax environment in our office. It's, you know, you can wear what you want to wear. I wear a t-shirt and sweatpants and tennis shoes every day. So some of those little perks that you think about are outweigh, they outweigh some of the stability that you can get with a corporate job. But then also knowing the impact that I'm having on people's lives. When we do shows, we'll do events, um, trade shows, and that are open to the public. 
and we'll have little kids that will see our backpacks. And when, when we sell a backpack to a parent and the child is there and it's for that child, we always hand the backpack to the child. We don't give it to the parent. We give it to the child. And we see kids hug their backpacks. Those 10-hour days standing up at those trade shows, when we see these kids hug these backpacks and say, Mommy, she looks like me. It's all worth it. And no amount of corporate stability could take the place of that. Do you think a day will come when you can better further your social mission? For instance, be on the board of a Fortune 500 company? That's definitely a goal. I think that with my background, with some of the things that I've done, you know, my, my, my whole career has been around consumer insights, more specifically the analytics and the data. And I don't think a lot of companies have people with that kind of experience on their boards to make decisions as to how to best reach your consumer, how to best structure the company's organization for the consumer. So I do believe that at some point that will happen. If you make it to that boardroom, you'll have to change out of your sweatpants. I know, right? (laughs) Anything else to say on how has entrepreneurship changed you, Casey? No, I think that's pretty much it. In that case, Casey Kelly, CEO and co-founder of Blended Designs. Thanks for talking to us. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Abun Olaloye, founder of Live Breathe Football. Thanks a lot for talking to us. Tom, thank you so much. This is a pleasure for me. Myra Hernandez, co-founder of Back of the Arts Coffee Company. Thanks for talking to us. Thank you. Dalia Rizek, founder and owner of Buckle Me Baby Coats. Thanks a lot for talking to us. Thanks, Tom. Paul Palace, CEO of Swissco. Thanks a lot for talking to us. I had a great time. Mansi Gangan, founder and president of Nested Bean. <laughs> Thanks a lot for speaking to us. Thank you for your thoughtful questions. I really enjoyed this talk. Nick Hawks, co-founder and owner of Paleo Treats. Thanks a lot for speaking to us. We really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks so much for uh, inviting me on. It's really cool to, to be able to share some of this stuff and appreciate the work you guys are doing. Kat Samagia, founder of Locker Lifestyle. Thanks a lot for talking to us. Thank you so much for having me. It was an honor. No one's ever said it's been an honor before. You're making me blush. <laughs> That's it for this episode and this season of Making It Work. Don't forget to comment and subscribe. It really helps us out a lot. And if you'd like to play a part in the next season of Making It Work, why not send in your questions, comments, and suggestions to me, Tom, and the team at makingitworkatfedex.com. Thanks to all of the entrepreneurs who have shared their insights and advice over this season. Nick Hawks, Monsi Gongan, Myra Hernandez, Casey Kelly, Abun Olaloye, Paul Palace, Dahlia Rizik, and Kat Samargia. If you'd like to get to know them and their businesses a little better, you can find their bios on fedex.com slash makingitwork. Making It Work is produced by Yolene Margri, written by Tom Scallon, and edited by Lars Blockenberg, with creative direction from Jeroen von Koningshoven. Music by Fresh Big Mouth, who created this song with actual sounds from the FedEx Superhub in Memphis, Tennessee. This show is delivered to you by FedEx and presented by Tom Scallon and me, Kelly Martin.